Romance and intimacy, when practiced the right way and frequently, adds a dynamic flair in a marriage relationship. So let's get into it. Welcome to the Godly Pattern Podcast. We exist to champion your relationship and transformational journey so you can live a godly, fun, and free life. Tune in every Thursday and join our tribe of God lovers as we transform together. I love you, I love you, I love you, Jesus. I've fallen in love, oh, I love you. Hey, friends. Happy Transformational Thursday. It's Coach Lucci here bringing you a juicy, impactful message. I hope you've been enjoying the Let's Talk Love series as much as I have. I'm a big believer that iron sharpens iron, so I just hope that we're learning, loving, and transforming as we listen to the details and experiences shared on this podcast. Last week, I talked about friendship and courtship. I talked about the importance of forming a strong friendship prior to courtship and also taking valuable time in our courtship season by intentionally aligning our vision, mission, and goals as we take that bold step into marriage. The concept of courtship may seem outdated to a lot of people, but it's not. When going into a relationship with someone, your goal should be to protect the other person's heart. Treat them right. Honor them by considering their feelings, goals, and ambitions, and ensuring that you love them sacrificially. As I mentioned in the last episode, without love, we are nothing. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 1 makes that very clear. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor, and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Our main trademark should be love. Because without it, we are just an empty shell. This is why I quoted one of the most popular scriptures in the world, 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4, which is commonly known as the love scripture. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Love is so much more than just a feeling. There is sacrifice, commitment, and action. There is a dying to self that is involved. It's putting others before yourself in a healthy way. So today, I want to go a bit deeper and talk about romance and intimacy. Ooh, I love this topic. I love this topic because I love all things love, romance, and intimacy. But as a coach, 
I've noticed that a lot of people do not have the right understanding of romance and intimacy. So as I delve deep into this topic, I need to acknowledge how our perception of romance has been vastly affected by the movies and programs we watch. I could definitely admit that. You know, for years, we've identified romance based on what we see on movies or rom-coms or TV series. And the thing is that we don't question it. We just expect it to play out similarly in our real relationships. I could tell you that one of those misconceptions is the happily ever after. So let's talk about it. Happily ever after. We know this saying all too well from fairy tales. The prince meets his princess and they live happily ever after. We don't see what happens after that. I am yet to watch a movie that shows Cinderella and her prince living out their marriage. We don't see the fights after they get married, the struggles of marriage, being and staying married. The movie always ends at happily ever after. And this is why it's a fairy tale. Because this is definitely not the reality. Marriage takes work. It's making a decision daily to put in the work. It's dying to self and so much more. Another misconception we see in movies that we don't give a second thought to is boy meets girl or man meets woman and they fall madly in love and the next thing we see is them in the sheets making love. There is no courtship happening, just that. We are being conditioned to think of romance in a certain way that is contrary to God's wholesome intentions. And it's not just movies that are shaping how we view romance, it's books, it's TV shows, and music. Let me define what romance is. Romance is the initial infatuation, the excitement, the wooing and being wooed, the initial attraction to another that provides so much emotion and drama. And the thing you must always keep in mind is that God created romance. It was his idea. The devil then twisted it and perverted it. But romance was and is God's idea. I remember at some point trying to coach a friend in a new relationship. And because of her past experiences with relationships, my goal was to help her kick things off the right way, the godly way. We were talking about having sex without any kind of commitment towards marriage and she says to me, I have to try out the D. She said because she knows of a friend that was coerced into marriage by a pastor and his sexual organs couldn't rise or perform. So she must make sure that her new man's stuff works and he can use it. You know, from a fleshly perspective, I could understand where she was coming from. But there is a piece that I worked on conveying to her in that moment and my goal was to shape her mindset. As humans, we try to help God, but we must remember that He is the Almighty God and He created all things. He created sex, He created the organs for it and the activity to achieve it. So why would you not just follow the manufacturer's instructions? If you are in His will, you can ask Him of anything. You can speak life into any organ by faith. You can trust Him even with your sexual needs, your romance, your intimacy. Whatever God asks us to do is not for Him. It's for our own good. 
to protect us. Needless to say, she isn't with that dude any longer, and that was a pretty short-lived relationship. God expresses the ultimate love and romance. He does pursue us. He does woo us. God's love is steadfast and it is for us. His love makes you feel good even during tough times. I know this may seem confusing to some people, but try it. Try to develop a relationship with God and intentionally build your intimacy with Him Then let me know how you feel. The best romance comes with a deep and abiding love between husband and wife. When the foundation is steady, the emotional highs of romance can fully be enjoyed. When true love is present, romance takes on a richer meaning. You know, here at Godly Pattern, we believe that you can live your best life with God in it. You can love God, live free, and have fun. There is nothing new in this world. It all started from the beginning. This is why my best reference material to navigate through life is the Bible. It has so much to say about love and how we should love others in the context of a variety of relationships. The Bible also has stories of romance. You know, Jacob worked seven years to win Rachel, then seven more because he was tricked into marrying Leah. You can refer to this in Genesis chapter 29. The book of Songs of Solomon is filled with descriptions of romantic love between a bride and a groom. Like I said, romance was and is God's idea. However, romance has since been twisted and perverted and that's when it could be viewed as dangerous. Those first attractions and the process of falling in love is intoxicating. In fact, the same sort of chemical release happens in our brain when we fall in love as when people use drugs. But if a person becomes addicted to the feeling of romance, he or she may find himself or herself feeling empty and seeking another romantic high in an ungodly manner. The portrayal of romance in movies, books, and music often sets us up with unrealistic portrayals of romance. Our real-life relationships, sometimes full of wonder and excitement, can still seem a bit boring and pedantic comparatively. When we overdose on vicarious romance, we may set ourselves up with false expectations and needless feelings of disappointment in the real world. So how do we deal with romantic feelings when we are in a relationship? That's where wisdom comes in. Wisdom and romance must go together. I love the way Joshua Harris explains this connection in his book, Boy Meets Girl. And I quote, I like the way Eugene Peterson describes wisdom. He says that it's the art of living skillfully in whatever actual conditions we find ourselves. When we guide with wisdom, we have skillful romance, romance that is directed by what is true about God and about the world He has made. I like to think that relationship between wisdom and romance is like the one between a string and a kite. Romantic love is the kite that catches the wind and tenaciously heads for the sky. 
Wisdom is the string that tugs downward, holding it back. The tension is real, but healthy. I suppose there are times when a kite feels tied down by the string. If this bothersome string would just let go of me, I could fly really high, the kite might think. But that isn't true, is it? Without the string holding in the face of the wind, the kite would quickly come crashing to the ground. In the same way, romance without wisdom will soon take a nosedive. It becomes selfish, indulgent, and even idolatrous. It's not enough to simply have romantic feelings. Anyone can do that. Long-lasting romance needs practical common sense wisdom that knows when to let the wind of feelings carry us higher and when to pull back when to express our emotions and when to keep quiet, when to open our hearts and when to rein them in. What a powerful quote from this book. I really love this quote and I think he is right. We definitely need wisdom with romance. We can't just let our emotions get the best of us to the point we rush into something that God doesn't want us getting into or we end up doing something we will regret later. Wisdom is key when it comes to romance. And always remember, romance is God's idea. He created it and loves seeing two people fall in love and loves seeing the sparks fly and the chemistry happen. He loves it. And I can imagine him being joyful when this happens. So let's just try to do it the right way. There are some practical ways that wisdom leads and guides us into skillful romantic relationships that Joshua Harris shares that I want to echo. Number one, romance says, I want it now, and wisdom urges patience. Proverbs 19 verse 11 says, a man's wisdom gives him patience. Most of the biggest mistakes in romantic relationships is the result of impatience. Some people can't wait to express their feelings for each other and wind up starting a relationship prematurely. Or maybe they get impatient waiting for God to bring someone godly into their life so they get involved with someone they shouldn't have. There are so many other examples. The point is this. It takes patience to wait to start a relationship. The right relationship. Then after you have started a proposal relationship, you will need patience to make sure it unfolds at a healthy pace. Impatience rushes everything. It urges us to skip the time and attention a healthy friendship requires and to jump right into emotional and physical intimacy. Wisdom calls us to slow down. Patience is an expression of trust that God, the Master Chef, can serve up an exquisite relationship. This lets us enjoy each part of our love story. We can be faithful and content right where we are, whether it's in a friendship or courtship or engagement, and not to try to steal the privileges God has reserved for a later season. If you are not ready to get married, don't grab at a relationship. Patiently wait for the right time to start one that can eventually lead to marriage. If you're ready for marriage and you're in a relationship, 
Don't let impatience cause you to rush. Take your time. Enjoy where God has the two of you right now. Number two, romance says, this is what I want and it's good for me. Wisdom leads us to consider what's best for the other person. In James chapter 3 verse 17, we're told, the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Add up all these qualities and you see that wisdom in relationship involves a selfless desire to do what's best for the other person. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Luke chapter 6 verse 31 It's simple and yet it encompasses every facet of a relationship. We glorify God in our relationships when we put our needs aside and base our decisions on what serves the interest of the other person. Listen to the kinds of questions we ask when we're guided by a selfless desire to do what's best for another. Is starting this relationship now what's best for you? Will expressing all my feelings now serve you? Are my actions encouraging you to love God more? Am I clearly communicating in a way that helps you? These kinds of questions when you ask this in your mind, it shows that you're truly being considerate of your partner or the person you want to be in relationship with. A selfless desire to do what's best for the other person can guide us in the big and small decisions of a romantic and intimate relationship. Number three, romance says enjoy the fantasy. Wisdom calls us to base our emotions and perceptions in reality. Proverbs chapter 19 verse 2 says, It is not good to have zeal without knowledge, nor to be hasty and miss the way. To be passionate about something if our passion is based on ignorance or mistaken information invites disaster. Yet, the very intensity of romance can set us up for exactly that. What is an emotion? It is a physical expression of how we perceive the status of something we value. Anger, gladness, fear, sadness, happiness, jealousy, and hatred are all combinations of our perception and our values. For example, two bystanders who witness a cat being hit by a car can experience totally different emotions based on how they perceive the situation and how they value the cat. One who hates cats might be wickedly glad, while the other person who owns and loves the cat would be overcome with sadness. In a relationship, if our values are godly and our perceptions of what we value is accurate, our emotions will be appropriate and healthy. But if either is out of sync with the truth, our emotions will be inappropriate and unhealthy. Our goal should be to be properly excited about what is really important. Wisdom calls us to base feelings on accurate information, not on distortions. In the season of courtship, we have to fight the tendency to fill what's lacking in our knowledge of the other person with emotion based on fantasy. If we don't know something about him or her, we need to talk, 
Ask probing questions and discover who they really are. Their values, their motivations, their goals. We need to move beyond typical artificial dating activities and observe each other in real life settings, in families, in church life, with friends handling pressure at work. Courtship is a time to see the good, the bad, and the ugly in the one we love or are hoping to marry. Then, our emotions and decisions about the relationship can be based on fact. This kind of romance with wisdom doesn't disdain or rule out emotions and passion. But it does call us to make sure that these feelings are flowing from reality, not wishful thinking or rationalization. We want the true character of someone to win our hearts. We want our emotions to respond to who they are and to the true status of the relationship. Let me stop here in regards to romance. I hope you see the importance of wisdom alongside romance. Always remember the kite and the string. The kite needs the string to fly and without it, the kite would crash. We need to ask God for wisdom in our relationships. And let's not do things because everyone is doing it. What is God showing you about your attitude and your actions? Are you honoring your partner in a way that pleases God? Are you being patient and putting their needs ahead of yours in a healthy way? Powerful question, huh? Now let's talk about intimacy. What is intimacy? Especially in the context of a dating relationship. Intimacy doesn't only refer to being physical, it is so much more. A dictionary definition of intimacy talks about close friendship, deep emotional connection, and sexual involvement. To be intimate with someone is to be close to him or her, to reveal private information, to feel linked together. Intimacy includes physical, emotional, and spiritual connectedness. Dating couples grow more and more intimate as they become more serious about the relationship. If proper boundaries are not established, increasing intimacy can have some undesirable results, such as feelings of betrayal following a breakup, loss of appropriate personal boundaries without a commensurate commitment, and beginning to become one before the couple actually belongs to one another. With that said, there are five types of intimacy that I want to get into that are usually used in marriage and I think are helpful for those of you who are not yet married and are in a dating or courtship relationship. Number one, spiritual intimacy. The first and most foundational type of intimacy is spiritual intimacy. Spiritual intimacy can be seen as the hub from which all other intimacy types protrude. If spiritual intimacy is high, then the other types of intimacy, though they will have seasons of greater or lesser intensity, will have a certain level of natural resilience. Spiritual intimacy comes from being in the Word together, praying for one another, and worshiping together. The Word of God is the nourishment of our souls. 
When we are on the same spiritual diet, we can expect to grow in similar ways and therefore grow together, not separately. As a single man or woman, you need to assess your spiritual walk with God. It's not going to come together when you meet someone. You need to work on it now. He needs to be the most important person in your life right now. I remember someone shared that sometimes women honor their pastors so much, even more than their husbands. And although it's good to honor your pastor, you should definitely honor your husband. Your husband is the priest of your home. Now the issue I find with this, just from coaching and talking to people, is that most men are not providing spiritual intimacy. As a woman, I know for a fact that women want to feel protected, covered, and just secured all around. Number two, recreational intimacy. Recreational intimacy is the bond that is created and strengthened by doing activities together. These activities can range vastly from the mild, for example, doing a crossword puzzle together, to the extreme, example, hand gliding together. That sounds dangerous and fun, but it is the mutual enjoyment of them that fills the couple's connection. This sort of intimacy tends to be its highest early in the relationship when both partners are willing to do and try things outside of their comfort zones just to have the opportunity to be in each other's presence. As presence becomes more of the norm than the exception, our motivation to engage in uninteresting activities may dwindle. Furthermore, as life gets more complicated with jobs, children, household, and much more, the opportunities to engage in recreational activities plummet, and the cost can skyrocket. Number three, intellectual intimacy. Oh, this is important. Intellectual intimacy is the activity of connecting to one another by discussing certain issues. The topics can be lighthearted, example, favorite movie or serious, example, politics. But mental exercise with your spouse reinforces the relationship cord. Similar to recreational intimacy, intellectual intimacy tends to be at its highest at the beginning of the relationship. Oftentimes, it's because the couple is still getting to know each other and how they think on various topics. As time passes, couples often assume they know how their spouse thinks on every issue and they cease exploring each other's intellectual worlds. While a spouse can often predict what the other will think on a particular issue, details matter. No matter how many times a couple has discussed an issue, there is almost always some new piece that is new and fresh and can be explored. And the rewards of doing though it's well worth it to increase your intellectual intimacy or to fulfill it. Number four, physical intimacy. Physical intimacy is the domain most people think of when they hear the word intimate. This includes but is not limited to sexual activity. There's also non-sexual physical intimacy such as holding hands, cuddling on the couch or a hug, a kiss, as a single person, you need to use wisdom in this area. 
Physical intimacy creates emotional ties and you need to be very careful. Remember the definition of love that we have seen in scripture. How does being physical affect the other person? Will it serve them or hurt them? Are you being physical to please your own flesh? These are the kind of questions you need to be asking yourself. How are you honoring God with the person you are in a relationship with? As you know, our physical needs are different as women and men, but we need to protect each other's hearts by doing the right thing. Number five, emotional intimacy. This is good. Emotional intimacy is the sharing of one's own experience with another. Men grapple with this distinction over and above that of intellectual intimacy. However, one which is intellectual intimacy discusses topics and is usually dominated by thoughts, whereas the other emotional intimacy discusses experience and is usually dominated by emotion. Men also generally have a much more limited emotional vocabulary and they tend to be less comfortable with emotive speech. Therefore, men often misunderstand their spouses, thinking that what she wants is an exchange of ideas when what she really wants is someone to identify with her feelings. Regardless of any limitations, men are called to shepherd their wife's heart, just as much as women are called to shepherd their husband's sexuality. Just as men feel connected when physical intimacy is highest, women generally feel connected when emotional intimacy is highest. Now there is a reason that the first thing Adam does when he sees Eve is not to get her into bed, but utters the world's first love poem. And you can refer to Genesis chapter 2 verse 23. So in conclusion, it's important to know the five types of intimacy so you can recognize them when they are in action. God has designed romance and intimacy to be used in a certain way in different settings. You can't just frolic around leaving pieces of yourself with random people. You can't lead people along if you know the relationship is going nowhere. You can't demand the same benefits a married couple has when you're not married. It just doesn't work well. That's where love comes in, real love. When you have an intimate relationship with God, you will know how to honor yourself and how to treat others around you. If you're married, you'll be sacrificial and serving to your partner, ensuring that you are keeping romance alive and being intimate with your partner, understanding how they receive love and intimacy. If you're not married yet, you will wait on God to instruct and guide you in your waiting and dating and courtship. You won't just rush into anything because you know that God is in control of your love story. You will know that He has the best in store for you and that you can trust Him and rely on Him. So I pray for someone listening today that you will find true love, that you will enjoy your marriage, that you will enjoy romance and intimacy in your union, that you will be fulfilled all around in spirit, soul, and body. 
I pray today that you will know that God loves you and wants you to enjoy your relationship and be satisfied to the highest levels of intimacy while being sacrificial and serving to each other. I just thank God for everyone listening to this podcast. May we receive wisdom as we learn, love, and transform together. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you learned something from this episode today. And I believe that you did not stumble on this podcast by mistake. So as you go through your day, please process this information and come up with questions, resolutions, and intentions to do life with God. To live in His freedom. To serve your partner. To fulfill their fantasies the best that you can. And just love them sacrificially. Just do your best and leave the rest for God. He got you. He will come through for you. I truly believe that together we stand and divided we fall. So I'm eager to help. I'm eager to know your thoughts and to help you navigate your journey. So be sure to send your questions in and subscribe to the Godly Pattern Podcast YouTube channel and come join me on Fate Talks with Coach Lucci as soon as it premieres. I'm so excited for us to dig deep into your questions together. So do you need a coach? Or just someone to listen to you? Our godly coaches are here for you. To serve you and help you on all things love and transformation. Just remember to love God, live free, and have fun while doing it. Thank you for tuning into the Godly Pattern Podcast today. I hope something from today's discussion touched your heart in a unique way. Be sure to subscribe, like, share, and send in your questions by going to www.godlypattern.com and join the Godly Tribe. Now, my dear friends, remember whose you are according to the Word of God in Genesis chapter 1 from verse 26 to 27. And God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them have dominion. So until next time, go conquer and dominate in love and light.